at the end of the day, you're trying to get a conversion. You're trying to get somebody to talk to you about whatever it is you're selling or whatever it is you're trying to get in the day. We found it to be a super effective way to start that dialogue. Put that content down. Content. The clothes is on. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. All right, we are back yet again. Another episode of Content is for Closers. Carlton doing another very bizarre face. I can't even look at it and get through this intro <laughs> without ignoring it i'm just trying to help you out it's helpful it's another another prompt for people to go look at the youtube channel of course on today's episode we're going to go through a few things quick couple notes youtube taking over podcasting and then we have a very special guest the goat the legend one derek rogers will be joining us to talk about a little paid media hack if you're a small business if you're trying to acquire customers Derek has created this little system that has driven some pretty massive results for some of our clients. We're going to share the details with you here. But before we get to that, Carlton, any weird stories or anything bizarre you used to do as a child that we should we should dive into with the audience? Uh, I feel like I'm going to let the audience down if I don't have one, but I really don't have one that's top of mind. Of course, I can always dig one out of the annals of my history, but... The annals, that's a good place to start <laughs> looking for that type of thing. Let's steer clear of that. But uh, Derek, I don't know if you heard last week, Carlton told us this story, how he he and his friends used to compress their chests after like breathing heavily and then they would pass each other out. Have you, did yeah. you do anything like that? No, absolutely not. I've heard that story too, though. That just jogged my memory a little bit and <laughs> I thought of another one if you guys want it. So right around Christmas time, there was these lights that they put along the lockers. And so we would take out some of the bulbs and then you'd take your class ring and you'd see who could hold the longest connecting the voltage <laughs> from like one light to the, the next. And those class rings, man, that would give you a, quite a good jolt. Two instant reactions. One, I mean, you grew up in like the Hunger Games is the first thing. This continually, this this series. Number two, didn't peg you for a class ring nerd. Like my respect for you has gone down just a little bit. Didn't have you pegged there. I think they were just on the way out. Like Justin's got like three more years probably. You know? <laughs> like because when by the time I became a teacher, they would show up and it was just like everyone's like, oh, come on. At some point between like, when I was in high school and then when I started teaching, they uh, went out of fashion. So, Did you have one, Derek? Did you have a class ring? No. No. Would you give your class ring to a lucky lady? Yeah, so she could wear it with a necklace, you know? What? Yeah, too big to fit on her on her finger. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I did not have a letterman's jacket, though. Well, that would have been cool. I wouldn't make fun of you for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's your weekly update on Carlson's childhood. We'll come back next week with another marring story of some kind. But for this week's episode, we before we get into the paid media stuff, I wanted to touch on YouTube made an announcement this week, and they've begun beta testing in the U.S. a podcast page. So some of you, you should try this. If you go to youtube.com backslash podcast, some of you will have access to it and some of you won't because it's not it's not 
rolled out everywhere, but a pretty massive move for Google and for YouTube and for our industry that they're sort of planting this flag. They only have a couple other dedicated landing pages like this. Gaming is one. I think fashion is another. And so the fact that they're, they're pouring this much energy into the podcast page is pretty important. Basically, right now, it's just a pure discoverability tool. So if you go to it based on what you've watched on YouTube, based on you know the user data you've given them, they suggest podcasts that you might want to watch or listen to. We've talked about internally and thought for a while that YouTube could become a much bigger part of the podcast space. And it's something that we need to continue to develop our own strategic thought on and, and for our clients as well. But what did you guys think when you saw this? There's a couple interesting aspects to it because I think they made some announcement about getting into podcasts. So people were kind of waiting for something to happen. And then someone discovered that slash podcast actually had stuff on it. But I think they went ahead and, and did a few more things to make it ready for public. They announced initially that they were going to follow some of the same analytics tools or there was there was some sort of audio only aspect to it that was talked about and that doesn't seem to be there so it'll just be interesting to see how they play with the rest of these tools because obviously a video is such a huge part of it that it's hard to even have the, some of the same feature sets that the normal rss feature has yeah i think the audio stuff is coming still that's why they haven't made a full-fledged announcement yet i mean in some ways, they're going to be immediately hamstrung when it comes to audio because you have to have YouTube, what is it, premium in order to to just listen. So those those analytics aren't going to be as robust as like, say, Spotify or something. But I do think YouTube is the biggest search engine besides Google. The user behavior, especially amongst Gen Zers, seems to be some of the more popular podcasts like Full Send and, and some of those are predominantly listened to and engaged with on YouTube. And this has history, like Rogan was mainly YouTube before he went to Spotify. So I feel like the user behavior will lead people to, to engage with podcasts there. And it's something that normal podcasters like us and our clients are going to have to plan for and adjust to, I think. Yeah, the fact that Spotify already has video to some of the podcasts, it will be interesting to see how that speeds up Spotify's game in the video space. So do you think there will be an audio only option as well, or is it just video record? I guess the idea would be if it's playing by the RSS rules, then it would have to be, it would have to have an audio file, but I don't know how they would parse that. Today it's video, you know, cause you go to the discovery page, but mm -hmm. they, YouTube has said they're going to provide audio analytics. So how many people are mm -hmm. listening or whatever. And yeah, that's where I was saying you have to have pro premium or whatever to be able to right. use that function. So It'll be interesting to see, but I think it's a positive sign for the industry and, and something that a lot, like we're just going to need to layer on and become proficient at specifically mm -hmm. that broadcasting on, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and I mean, well, we need to publish all of our shows to that as well yeah. at, at some point, I would think. Yeah, exactly. And it, and then it folds into, we talked about this a little bit last time, but you know, if you can get proficient and at user growth with shorts or whatever, Carlton, is there a dinosaur attacking you? <laughs> Instacart came up and we have our doorbell set to a cricket sound. It sounds more like a oh dinosaur. <laughs> First of all, Flex Instacart, just, just spending that cash. I like that. But... <laughs>
All right. So that's the, that's the news for this week. Let's get to the paid media strategies. This is, this is something that we were talking about, Derek, you've, you've developed and executed really efficiently for some of our clients. Maybe you could just give the sort of like overall idea and then we can drill down into how it works. So how did you come across this messenger little paid media hack? Yeah. Well, for many of our clients, we run paid and social and web. So gives us a bit of an advantage to be able to try a lot of different things. And one of the things that we tried was using messenger conversions on ads, specifically within the Facebook, Instagram ecosystem and, uh, really started working well. So we, we started trying to figure out how to really get the audiences right for the Facebook messenger conversion ads. And what we kind of landed on was this idea of feeding the existing customer database into Facebook and creating a lookalike audience based on that existing customer database and then using a combination of Google paid with landing pages that we could create on the existing website, along with the Facebook pixel on the site to create additional audiences for the Facebook messenger group, along with the conversions from the, from the Google paid campaign as well. Right. So it became a pretty robust tool that kind of like basically continues to evolve because as the Google paid works, those audiences keep getting refreshed with new people that are interested. Um, and Facebook's using their algorithm to create that lookalike audience based on those people that are responding on Google. So yeah, it's a pretty cool program and it, it feels like Facebook's given kind of some preferential treatment to keeping people on platform and people seem to really respond well get Facebook messenger ads. And, and basically what we did was we trained some folks internal to the companies, you know, that we work with, to uh, respond kind of right there on platform. We have some automated responses that we build. Different clients have different needs, but it works really well. And we've seen a lot of success with it. Yeah. So just to back up to the beginning of it, you kind of talked about building the custom audiences. That's what you use the existing database along with the Google ads for, right? When you say pixel, like you're taking those people who either already have done business with you or who respond to an ad, you're driving them to a landing page that has a pixel. Maybe describe what a pixel is real quick. When you create a landing page, you can add the Facebook pixel or the back end of the, of the site, which will basically capture that data and you can target that person with ads, or you can use that person to create audiences, create lookalike audiences based on that person. So you might not want to target that person specifically because they've already responded to your ad. You might want to target them with something else, but one of the things that we do a lot with a couple of our clients specifically is create lookalike audiences based on the people that responded to those because it has just all sorts of data on folks, you know. And so the pixel is just the code on that landing page that identifies I came to this page, I engage with it. And so Facebook captures that. You then create other lookalike audiences, but then what you actually target or how you advertise to them is through these messenger specific ads. And that's mm -hmm. a different ad type, right? Than what probably yeah. most people are familiar with. Yeah. It's specifically um, the conversion of the ad is messenger. So that's what Facebook promotes. When you click on the conversion, it, you're going right into messenger. And for the people that are comfortable using messenger, they really like it. I mean, they seem to really like it. And, and we, we can have our team trained up. Yeah, within that company to respond quickly. Uh, you can also create auto response and things like that. So you might get through three or four questions 
from that particular person that responded to that ad with auto responses before somebody comes in and starts responding manually. Give an example, like, cause whenever I hear that, I think of like, how would I ever think of what they're going to ask me in order to respond? So how, like, how do you develop those auto responses or what's an example of something that works for that? Well, I mean, just a real life example would be if, if you're trying to hire people. When somebody responds to the ad in Facebook Messenger, there can be like pre-written questions that you have in there that they can click on. If it's an ad for employment, for instance, then one of the questions could be, how do I apply? Okay. And if they click that, how do I apply, you could just respond. You could have a pre-written response that would actually send them right to the link on your site to apply for the job or whatever. For pushing people directly through based on the auto responses, you know. So they sort of self-select it's not just one thing at the front where you have to guess what they might say. They self-select, you know, of the options you give them. Yeah. You can write two or three different options that you might think they would be most likely to ask. And then when they get to the end of that, do they eventually have to fill out a form or how do they get in contact with an actual human being at the end of that funnel? They're in contact with an actual human being the entire time on that funnel. Like it. At any point, the, the human can jump in and start chatting directly with the person. The auto responses can be helpful. If you're wanting to drop somebody to a link on your website to do something very specific, you know, then that works well. But what we kind of encourage a lot of our clients to do is get in there with the real human as quickly as possible, you know, and start communicating with them. So how does that scale? If you're running ads, does that mean you have to have a person available 24 hours or how, how have you seen that scale? Because like, the recruiting client, for instance, they've had a lot of volume through this, right? Yeah, they've got people that respond kind of 24-7 because it's just become that important for them. But you can craft the auto responses in such a way where people will understand that you might be responding tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. or something like that. You know, that's just a decision the, com the company would have to make. We generally help kind of craft that uh, and make our suggestions. But uh, at the end of the day, you're trying to get a conversion. You're trying to get somebody to talk to you about whatever it is you're selling or whatever it is you're trying to get in the day. We found it to be a super effective way to start that dialogue. I think it's cool because it takes the entire internet and, you know, technically the entire internet is your oyster, is your target in some ways. I mean, and it boils it down to a one-to-one -one conversation. There's almost no other ad type that allows you to do that so quickly. Someone mm -hmm. can go from never having heard of you before at all and someone they know maybe interacts with an ad and now they get caught up in the net and Facebook and, and you're doing a, a messenger ad with them. So it's pretty cool. Carlton, you jump in here too, but when it comes to best practices for these ads, if someone was gonna try to go make these ads, what have you guys found that is helpful or that has worked more than, than others? I'm thinking like, you know, creative types, imagery, graphical elements, anything like that, that has worked specifically for the messenger ads? So to some degree, you know, that if you put a certain offer or, or you make a certain claim that people are going to be more likely to have a question that follows it up. So that's a way that you can play into that logic is trying to maybe leave a little bit of the details out of the ad so that people will then see the call to action and respond to it that way. So you say, 20% of the leads that, that look through our software end up buying. And so it's just basically making a claim and then some of the questions that can be in that autoresponder can support that. And what about visually, Derek? Is there any, I, I remember we toyed around with different formats 
initially that was months ago. I'm sure you've, you've honed that a little bit. And one of the things that we're seeing a lot is just simplicity seems to really work. The, uh, it's like almost like the, the more simple the ad is and the more flat the design is, it seems to convert better. That's what we've been kind of just rolling with, you know, for quite a few of our clients that, that we're doing this for. It obviously would change potentially depending on the industry and the client, you know, and, and what it is they're selling. But you know what? We tried 25 different ads, you know, before we landed on what really was working. And then we just kind of like kept going with it. We A-B tested. We did so many things. We did carousel. We did video. We did We did everything. At the end of the day, we found kind of what works for each of these clients. And then we would keep tweaking it. And then as you continue to do it, you've got more data. You can see exactly what your cost per messenger conversion is and how that's changing week over week. And we basically look at it on a seven day kind of rolling average. We see what that cost per, um, cost per acquisition is, and we can kind of make little tweaks and see what moves the needle and things like that. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good program. So when you say flat, you mean that's image, image ad types versus like carousel or video or any. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say it's a lot of it comes down to the fact that a lot of people are viewing these on their phones or in a window that has a lot of other things going on, like left sidebar, right sidebar. So by the time you have like an image that's got a lot of detail to it or has a lot of depth to it, it might be a cool looking thing, but unless that person saw it full screen, it wouldn't get the message across in a split second. So by like simplifying it and having vector art that's maybe has a few components to it and just large, whether it's colorful or large text or large symbol of some sort, that comes across better than having a really complex scene where something's going on in it. Yeah. So I know we, we do this for one of our clients that's in the kind of in the home services business and it's been massively profitable. I think we, we earned back a year's worth of an investment over their first month with the amount that they were able to earn. You, you're also doing it when it comes to recruiting people for a truck company. You don't have to say who, if you don't want to, but how can you give some idea of numbers, like how many people you've been able to recruit or something? I just want to give people an idea of scale of how this could work. Yeah. I want to say a hundred to 150 messenger conversions a week for, for this one particular campaign, you know, which obviously you've got to figure out the sweet spot in terms of what you're willing to spend and stuff like that to get those. But the leads are just incredible. They're responding and they're ready to talk. You don't have to try to get them on the phone or, or see if they'll respond to an email or whatever. They're there on the other end. We, we've spent a lot of time spinning up internal folks to, to handle it. We're like, we're adding somebody new. The company is adding somebody new to, to handle these leads and we're these folks are basically dedicated to this campaign. We got two full-time people now that are going to be dedicated to this campaign, just responding to these. So yeah, it's been super, super successful. I think the big thing about that is that the long-term success of it, the Google plays into it really well because you're not going to have so much creativity because you're keeping that uh, audience refreshed by using the uh, pixel on the landing page and updating the audience based on who's responding to the Google ad. Because if, if all you did was just target the a lookalike audience of the customer list that might get stale in a minute. You can expand those lookalike audiences and things like that. There's a bunch of different things you can do, but I think the way that we've organized this one using the combination of Google and Facebook seemed to work really, really well. 
Yeah. So something to check out if you're a business owner, if you're a marketer, the, the line that Derek just said, they had to hire someone new to handle all the leads. The, I think that's the biggest thing we hear from people like, yeah, we do all this marketing stuff and then we don't see the leads. The leads are good. The leads, I'm, I'm trying to remember the Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross right now. <laughs> I think it has some some profanity in it, but that 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 problem can be solved if that's one of your problems through trying something like this. So if you're interested in it for the next, let's say for the first two people that we really can't do a ton of these because it is a little bit labor intensive. So if you're interested in it, reach out and we'll probably add two more of these clients over the next little while here, if you're listening to this in a couple of years, this is probably taken off into its own massive business and you're too late. So get on this as soon as you can. Derek, thanks for joining us and sharing all that with us. Before we go each week, we share the tweet of the week, Carlton. I know you'll be shocked to hear that we are doing that again this week. This is your idea to do this every week. Can you kick us off? Because I don't even have Twitter open. Derek, feel free to queue up a tweet of the week if you've got one. It's just something we, we've like learned from or... Or was helpful. I'll go real slow, Derek. Just in the theme of Facebook ads and the ad model, this person is Azara Shad. Eight Facebook ad ideas proven to work. So this might fall a little bit into that dark pattern thing we were talking about the other week, but the first one is us versus them, before and after, press release screenshot, problem, agitation, and solution. And he specifically put UGC next to that. So user-generated content would be a good fit for that. The founder's stories, three reasons why. TikTok made me buy it. I guess that works for Facebook. Then the last one is single image ad that makes the problem pop. It's actually a good idea just for content in general as well. But we'll link that in the show notes. And you can actually scroll through the comments because there were some good comments about other ideas and other tactics as well. Yeah, that's a good framework. Derek, do you have one? Yeah, this this is definitely content too. Tomorrow Sports, TMRW Sports. Tomorrow Sports is here. Company founded by Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy. Uh, going to be building new a, a whole new golf thing. Probably compete with Live and happen in the off season. So is that funded by China? Is that what I heard? <laughs> funded by my funded by my God, Tiger Woods. So. It'll be interesting. I mean, from a content perspective, it'll be interesting to see how that plays because I don't know what it's going to be. And I, there's not a whole lot of details about it, but I'm sure it'll be pretty innovative. So you got to yeah. check out that. It's a brand new Twitter handle, tomorrowsports.com. I just was texting Derek. We actually know the people running their tomorrow's marketing. It's our, it's our friends and colleagues over at Sasha Group. And Mickey Cloud SVP over there was sending me some of the details. I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be successful, but I know Tiger Woods is going to be hitting bombs in stadiums around the country. And so I'm a hundred percent in. I, yeah, I, I'm yeah. so in on tomorrow's sports. I'm super excited for that. That's a good one. Mine is similarly sports related. It's from Ben Wilson. And this, the tweet is simple. It just says camp MFM was very fun. This is, I, I do want to call out 2%. Uh, Sean Purry, Sam Parr, Ben Wilson, the gang for straight up stealing my idea because this is something that Tony Miller and I hatched. It was a, a brain baby of ours. Did you guys see what they did? So jealous of this. Airbnb out some houses, got a chef, got to play at Duke, and then played a tournament for the 24 people who were there. And I guess they talked about business too. I didn't have that part in my model, which is why I wasn't probably successful, but 
I want to do the same thing Go in our the tournament. Did, is that public knowledge? It's not public knowledge, but in the pictures, Ben is holding up a number one and the other team didn't look as happy. So it looked, it looked maybe I've heard Ben is good. So it's probably his team that. Cause that last picture was, it looked like just two teams. Yeah. Yeah. To me that it was Ben and that, and then was what he started up down the other team. Yeah. He was on the other team. He's looking wasted in this photo. <laughs> so, sweaty startup yeah. guy was on mr beast's team and let me just say this too like i i stand by my initial thing there's just no way a herd team doesn't smoke these cats these guys are very successful in the business world just can't see this first of all everybody's like under there's like two people over six foot so i just don't see that playing well for them but anyway that's my that's my tweet of the week. I think it's awesome they did that. I want to do something similar. Let me hit me up if you're in for the for the content is for closers camp coming to a college near you that will will inevitably be running. Cool. Well, Derek, appreciate you coming on. We will be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.